Thank you for listening to Drinking with Authors. This podcast contains adult themes, adult language, adult subjects, including alcohol, sex, and solipsistic existential nihilism. Now we ask if you are drinking along with us to please drink and listen responsibly. Morning, you're good to go. Thank you. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors. Dun, dun, dun. I'm going to put a soundtrack behind me eventually. Woo-hoo. We have a soundtrack, actually. I don't know what I'm saying. Had a couple of drinks already. So, welcome to the podcast. I am your host, Erica Lance, and with me today is... J.M. Paquette. Boop, boop. Okay. And our amazing guest today... Dun, dun, dun. I no, Now I'm going to say your name wrong. <laughs> Bucknack. Bachneck. A.M. Bachneck. I literally just did it in my... I had a couple shots before we started this, so... Sounds like I have some catching up to do. You do. Chug, chug, chug. Just kidding. Okay. Um, Let's talk about what we're drinking, because we always talk about what we're drinking so people can drink along. I have decided to go with one of my favorites, which is Honey Jack and Apple Cider in my Star Wars mug. It's very full. What do you have, Jen? Boring, Jen. I'm drinking Waterloo sparkling water strawberry because there's no alcohol because then I would die. (sighs) Lame. Okay. Angelique, please wow us with what you're drinking since that was boring. I am drinking a traditional Bacardi daiquiri, lime daiquiri. Ooh. Yeah. That's super fancy today. In Puerto Rico and visited the uh, Bacardi factory in uh, just outside um, San Jose, Puerto Rico a few years ago. So. Oh, wow. Did you bring back many bottles of booze? I did. So I'm still working through one of the bottles of dark rum that we bought, and that's what I'm drinking today. That is awesome. That two bottle limit, they don't check. You can check. How many bottles no, did you bring? Four. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, you just go one. Are you going to look at my back? No? Well, okay. We had a couple suitcases, so that helped. So. <laughs> right Love it. Okay, so you know what, actually, it's funny, um, Jen is allergic to alcohol, JM there, and she also is allergic to the sun. Just for the record, you get a co-host that's a vampire. And I live in Florida where people go outside and drink on the beach, and I can do none of those things, but live at home inside, which is good for this time. (laughs) And I got uh, I'm doing this virtually, so I don't have to worry about my safety and my health. Oh, yes. So this is an episode being recorded in the time of the coronavirus. So I just want to state for everybody, I got to remember these things and it's terrible. I drink and then I don't remember things um, that um, we are doing this via Skype. So if there are any audio distortions or whatever, deal with it because we're all at home sitting there drinking with ourselves and we're going to start. Okay, so let's talk about what you write, Angelique. You write fantasy and sci-fi. Yes, yes. Um, my first uh, um, book series that I have out is called The Magical Bond Series. Um, and it's kind of a, the best way to describe it is a reverse X-Men. So instead of, you know, magical, fantastical abilities being the abnormal mutation, um, that was the normal world. And the abnormality is those with non-magical powers. And um, so it's kind of a post-apocalyptic dystopian storyline um, with a, uh, Interestingly, a lot of what I've written in the story has kind of mirrored the last two years of our current societal uh, circumstances, which is a 
So you actually wrote reality. So this isn't a fiction book. (laughs) Which is um, like the book I have coming out next month, you know, um, a flu like illness is killing off 50% of the population. So it's kind of like, Oh, holy shit. Where'd that come from? Well, at least it's Angelique, only you're going to have a lot of eyes on you. I'm just saying at this point. <laughs> right after they elected a really horrible president for a leader. Oh, God. <laughs> Ugh. Don't get me started. Sorry. Jam, you had a legitimate question of some kind. I wanted to ask about your sci-fi. Like, when when, when people hear fantasy sci-fi, um, I always, this depresses me because I love science fiction. I love fantasy. But they did a study where they had a conversation. And it was a contemporary sitting people in an airport, whatever. And people read that. And then they, like, uh, pulled them. And they were like, all right, what do you think? Was this a good, were you interested in the characters? How was it? And then they took the exact same story. And instead of airport description, they made it like a bar in a sci-fi novel and everybody's ratings plummeted. So it was the exact same conversation. Characters were described the same. So I always think of that, like that's the reaction that a lot of people have to science fiction, which makes me sad, like in my soul. But, um, how, how do you combat that? Or what is it about the science fiction genre? Genre that really attracted you. Talk, you tell know, us that. Yeah. So. Um, <laughs> wow! Blown away by all the questions. <laughs> <laughs> That's a really complex question, actually. Um, she uh, hasn't been drinking, so she gets to ask all the complex questions. Good thing I have. I'm only like I don't know, not even halfway through my first drink, so I, I'm still thinking. <laughs> right. um, this is the teacher in me. <clears throat> no, but but you're absolutely right, and I think it's you know. Um, but and that depresses me that they did that and that's how it turned out because I think anything like I'm always drawn to the abnormal, um, the 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 abstract, the fantastical, and that's what I love about you know science fiction and fantasy, um, and I particularly love and what I tried to do with my first series, excuse me, is really I made it, I made the book kind of set in our current societal world with you know fantastical elements and magic added to that because I really like I think it's more relatable in some respects to um to a larger group an audience rather than you know like the um space operas or the you know military space you know you know universes that are created or even more the epic even though my favorite is more the traditional you know like Tolkien epic fantasies that's my all-time favorite genre that I nerd out um, on big time. And, oh, God, you got a fan in Jen. Yeah. She <laughs> teaches classes on Tolkien. <laughs> I haven't gone that far, but it's like taking classes or anything like that. But that is my favorite genre that I, I learned after probably 30 years of just reading every book I could pick up. Um, but, you know, it's like I'm one of those, like, I don't care if you don't like what I write. You know, it's like I write what I love. Um, and not everybody's going to love it. Not everybody's going to hate it. And, you know, but there is definitely an audience out there for every single genre and subgenre and mixed genre that, that we tend that we've come up with. And I just, you know, it's just the hard part is finding those people. But once you find those people, you have fans for life. Okay. So what got you started in writing? Mm. Well, you know, I'm one of those that I started writing at a very young age. I grew up in a really um, rural, 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 can't even speak, I'm going to say the word now because I've been drinking. Enough, I'm enough. proud of you. Go team. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, where 
where our entertainment was literally, you know, like playing outside in the creek or, you know, sitting around staring at each other. And so I actually started writing when I was really, really young. Um, and then, you know, as you get older, you know, you start deciding, oh, I have to go to college and do something else. And um, so I pursued an entirely different career and I didn't write anything for probably a good, let's say, 20 years of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then, you know, there's always that voice nagging in the back of our head. And then about, oh, I guess it's getting to almost five years ago now, I just decided one day to had the story in my head and I just sat down and I just started writing. I didn't tell a soul, didn't even tell my husband. Um, I was ready to publish my first novel um, two years ago before I even told my husband I wrote a book. <laughs> that's awesome, especially if you got creepy stalkers and then you had to explain that. I feel like that's a Law & Order episode waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So what was heavy for about five years now. Yeah. So what was your first book? So the first book I've, I, the first book I've ever written is... Um, it's still several years away from seeing the light of day. Um, I still hope to to finish it and revise it. And, you know, I think you know, that first work that we write is never very good, right? It's, you know, it's that first bit of, you know, shit that you just have to somehow pick, you know, scrape up and decide to revive it and turn it into something fantastic. Um, but it's a story of a, um, I like to write stories with strong women, strong female, extremely flawed and somewhat damaged women. Um, and uh, so my goal in that first book was to basically take a female character and strip away every single thing she loved and to the point where most people would want to just completely give up on life and completely give up on anything, but then show how show how through her character, the strength of women and how we can basically overcome any hardship that comes our way. I love that. I love that. One Those day are- it'll get revised and hopefully get published. <laughs> You know, I think it's interesting that you you say that because um, when looking at the work we produce as writers, because all of us are writers, um, or at least pretend to be on TV, um, I think that going back and looking at your original stuff, that's interesting. So let's, you know, let's talk about some of the stuff you wrote when you were younger. Do you ever go back at the stuff you wrote when you were a teenager that was fucking brilliant at the time? And then you're like, what? (laughs) You know, unfortunately, I don't have most of most of what I wrote when I was a kid didn't survive. I still have a few journals where I wrote some poetry and things like that. And I look at it, it's like just full of a bunch of teenage angst. And I'm just like, oh, who was this kid? <laughs> Let's grab it and publish it immediately. <laughs> Dear Diary. So it's like, so those are like <laughs> hidden in boxes. And I try to pretend like, OK, yeah, those don't exist because it's really, you know, it's just, you know, it's like, when, a lot of times when we're driven to write by the things that have a huge impact on our life and, you know, my teenage years weren't the greatest. And so I wrote a lot of um, really depressing, angsty, teenage blah. Oh, I can feel you on that one completely. Okay, so let's talk about your writing process a little bit. So other than being obviously the Jane Bond of writing where you're a super secret spy that nobody knows you're a writer in real life. Um, so... <laughs> It's it's true. Uh, you just told me you're like the James Bond of writing. I love it. So, what was your writing process? Oh, um, I am a huge plotter. So, for me, characters are always second to the plot, um, which I think is one of the things that um, I think it, it definitely is. I think evidence in the world building that I and what I put into my stories. Um, I I focus a lot on you know trying to come up with unique and interesting twists to 
um, kind of deviate away from the typical, you know, science fiction or fantasy tropes that we see so much in, in writing. And I will sit down and I will nail out every single detail of the plot from every single plot point, you know, key event, major turning of point for characters before I even have characters to fill those, to fill that plot up. Um, Wow, that is different. That is very different. So sometimes I, and I will come up with characters, I'll name the characters, and I'll have general idea of what I want these characters to be, but most of the time my character's personality comes out through the writing process. Because I'm one of those writers where I have a hard time knowing my characters until I start writing my characters, and they kind of just come out through the writing process for me. If I try to come up, I, I can sit down and look at a blank page of like a character sketch for weeks and never know what to put in it because I, I, I don't know who they're going to be until I start writing. And so, but the plot is like super easy for me. And so I just, I will plot out. I have not, I have so many novels plotted out waiting for time to write and the creation of characters put in them. So I'm very, I think backwards of some people in that regard. What's your your plotting system? Like, do you handwrite it? Is it on sticky notes? Is it online? Where Where is it? No, I do everything. I have a, I start, usually start with a Word document. I have like this, I have like a 20 page Word document with all these key points and um, plot points and that I want to fill in and the things that I consider as I'm coming up with a story and the world building and um, and then once I kind of have that filled in and then I kind of transfer everything, I'm a huge fan of Scrivener. I love Scrivener, especially as a plotter and a outliner. Cause I am such, I mean, I feel like that, that is the perfect tool for a heavy plotter like myself. Um, and then I just kind of, I kind of build it up chapter by chapter and I will have every single chapter outlined with a synopsis of what all the scenes are going to be in those chapters before I ever sit down and write the first word. Wow. So, so I, I, I just have to say this and then jump in, James, is that a lot of people that are pantsers, like myself, do not love Scrivener for that exact reason. It yeah. is really Waters tool. It is not a pantsers tool. It's yeah. much, I mean, open a Google Doc if you're a pantser. It's much easier to write that way than it is to write in Scrivener because Scrivener almost kind of forces you to be a little bit of a plotter when writing in it. Yeah, it's designed for that for sure. It's like a perfect marrying of, of plotting and outlining and writing for, for someone who's a heavy plotter like myself, for sure. Go ahead, Jam. You had a question. So how much research do you do for like the science fiction part? Do you do you get into research or you're like, man, that sounds good? Yeah, no, part of the, I, no, no, no. I am I'm a heavy researcher, not as heavy as, you know, some of uh, um, I think some of the joint friends that we have, like Valerie. I know you guys know Valerie. She's such a, I, I don't research to the degree that. Some she office. needs to be stopped. I'm sorry, yeah. Sal. Well, you're going to listen to this? Writing, or you're never going to write. You're researching too much. Exactly. She's just grinding metal at this point on book four of the Cedric yeah. series. I told her that the other day. <laughs> but um, but I do a fair amount of research. Um, so like my, my day job career, I am an environmental scientist. And so um, I... I incorporate a lot of my knowledge on the environment and nature and the science side of my um, life into the writing that I do. Um, but sometimes it still definitely requires a significant amount of research to make sure that I'm getting, you know, the details right. And, I'm, you know, so, yeah, I do a fair amount of research. Um, and it all depends on, too, of the plot in the storyline that I'm telling. Um, I am working on an epic fantasy and I probably have done more research for that than I have any other novel I've written just because I am trying to write in a very specific 
epic fantasy genre where there's specific expectations on, you know, what needs to be done, how it needs to be written so that it fits within a very specific group of fantasy fiction. And so I love that we're writers and we're saying yeah. that we do a lot of research into high fantasy. I do a lot of elven historical research to get yes, into this too, book. It's <laughs> going to be mostly about elves because I am in love. I love elves and dragons, elves and dragons. And uh, <laughs> so I've been researching that novel since 2015 and I still don't have a detailed plot to start writing because I keep doing the research, trying to really figure out how I'm going to put my own unique spin on that without just falling into the same fantasy tropes that we see over and over again in, in literature. When you say you're researching, are you researching by like reading what other people have done or I can't believe I'm asking a specific like this, but like when you talk about researching, how do you do research on like, let's talk about researching high fantasy. How do you research elves? Like, how do you do that? Well, you know, you, that's, that's a great question because it's not, there's not a lot of information out there. I mean, because most of what's out there on elves has been made up since the days of Tolkien, right? Because um, if you go back to some of the original mythology, there's just such a such bare minimum mention of, of elves. And so, you know, so a lot of it does come through reading other fiction and honestly, gamers. I mean, <laughs> oh, we're gamers. We're original D and D color in the dice gamers. Like that's us. Oh no! Like so, I am not a gamer at all. Like my husband's a gamer. My son is a gamer. I am like I don't game. I don't know anything about gaming. And when they start talking about some of it, I'm like, what are you talking about? But when I do a lot of my research, I find that um, like even like the role playing, world building. There's so many books out there on that, and there's so many resources on the internet specific towards to role-playing game gamers. And that's where a lot of my research comes from with developing high fantasy combined with reading novels. Um, like uh, Sanderson, Brandon Sanderson, and what's the other guy's name? Williams and Williams. Hobbs, and there's a few others. So like reading some of those, you know, books written by some of the early I guess some of, them are, some of them are still writing, but um, like really high fantasy um, writers that are out there. So it's a, real, a combination of both. Uh, I, I'm just, I have to ask this because I did this the other day. I'm writing, I write fantasy a lot and I'm writing a, a scene on a boat and I found myself like hours. I'm researching medieval boats. Like, okay, so how fast does it go? So how many miles in it? How fast can you run? Okay, I was like, I need to just stop. Yeah. Do you, yeah. do you get down the rabbit hole? Sometimes, yes, absolutely. Like for um, like I did that with researching um, antique furniture, mid 18th century <laughs> furniture and wood carvings and, <laughs> and terminologies. Ooh, well, which which you know era do I want to use? Which you know country has the right terminology for what I want to pull into this? And yeah, you can definitely get in down into those rabbit holes and. Spend days doing something that should have been a 10-minute research job. But, yes, you know, absolutely. It's interesting you say that because I think about when you're writing a story put in modern context, regardless if it's a paranormal or even fantasy story, you put it into modern context, you need to be very careful 
that you know what the hell you're talking about. I said hell instead of fuck. I don't know why. I just censored myself, but whatever. Um, but you have to, like, if you're talking about Boston, you better know what the hell you're talking about because your readers are going to go, you have no idea what you're talking about. It's funny, though, when I talk to because I don't write um, fantasy or science fiction. When I talk in, to guys like yourselves and you guys talk about researching this, and I'm thinking, who the hell is going to call you out on that? Like, if you don't know how fast the damn boat goes or what a dresser looks like, who's going to be like, that wouldn't happen in this time frame? <laughs> I, I think, so at least, I don't know, you can tell me if you think you're, you agree differently, but I feel that, um, like, the, the hardcore, like, sci fi fantasy fans, are some of the most nitpicky, critical readers out there. And, and they write reviews. And they write reviews. And um, and they talk a lot about, but like these, these, they talk a lot about books to, to anybody who will sit down and give them the time of day. And they're like, I love this book. It had a great story and plot and characters. Um, but there was a scene where that's just not gonna, that wouldn't have had, just think about Star Wars and the Parsec thing. Like, most people would not have cared, but science fiction people were like, no, that's not, that's not possible. Yeah. So much so they had to work it into the new movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, like, from the from the new Star Wars movies, like, the diehard science fiction Star Wars fans were pissed. Mm-hmm. Only people I know who loved the movie were people who really had no clue. <laughs> mm-hmm. I have to say, as a diehard Star Wars fan... I was at the opening of Star Wars at the Chinese Man Theater in California in 1976. I was three years old. It's one of my first memories. I have to say, I kind of just shrugged my shoulders and let it go because I realized after watching a documentary called The People Versus George Lucas, we were never going to be happy. Nobody could fix that movie that we would be happy. Like, it would be impossible because this was something that was so, like, we wrapped it around our heart for years that no matter what anybody did, they would never satisfy all of us. So I kind of just went, you know what? It was better than the first three that Zombie George Lucas wrote by himself, and I'm glad somebody took it away from him and other people were able to write it. But I think when it comes to stuff like that, if you – if you have these diehard fans and they wait a really long time, like I do not envy George R. R. Martin right now. Cause no matter what the book <laughs> is, comes out eventually he's fucked. He's totally okay. fucked. It doesn't oh, matter yeah. what it says. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, it, yeah. I, 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 I agree with what you're saying. A hundred percent. You're not, you're not going to make everybody happy. Absolutely. Um, and sometimes you just have to think, take things for, the enjoyment they're meant to be. And I will be the first to admit that I am really bad at doing that. (laughs) Yeah, no, I think as fans, like even fans of an author, which is fun to talk about here, because we're going to talk about your fans for a bit. I think that as you get more and more prolific, whoa, there's my 25 cent word of this episode. (laughs) 50 cent word. Look at that. She's a PhD in English literature. So I'm taking my 50 cents. Um, uh, I think that, you know, when you get your fans, they come to expect something of the characters. So you talked about your being plot driven, not character driven, but fans, I think in general, get very attached to characters and what you do with those characters and the direction those characters go. And as an author, you have the, this is my creative work and this is what I'm doing with it. And then you have the fans that are like, you can't do that to Marcus. He would never do that in a million years. Ah, you know, so what are your thoughts on that being a plot driven author versus a character driven author? 
You know, again, I mean, it, uh, yeah, you know, I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we'll edit that out of this episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Adam won't edit that out of this episode. He's terrible. It's true. I mean, oh, I he's wonderful. No, he's terrible. And I, I came, but I think, like, even as a reader, um, I am that person. Like, I am still, like, okay, one Talk about J.K. Rowling here for a moment. I am so pissed off at J.K. Rowling for how the, how Harry Potter ended. I don't care that the book series was meant for a younger audience than me. I was pissed that Harry Potter lived. Because I am that person that if you go through... I mean, I felt like everything in that whole storyline predicted that the only way it was going to end was he and Baltimore had to die together. Like, that was my theory. I was holding on to it, and I wanted that to happen because I wanted my heart to be ripped out like that. I am that person that if you write a story and you can make me love a character so much and put that character through hell and back and then kill them off on me, rip my heart out, make me feel horrible, I'm going to love you for life. You know, it's interesting you say that because I kind of wonder how much of that, in a way, she was going the direction of that. But at the same time, after Dumbledore died, the fucking outcry of her killing off Dumbledore, which was legit and pivotal to the plot, right? No offense, Harry Potter would have died in the first book if it wasn't for his, every book, if it wasn't for his friends. Oh, yeah. That kid was not productive as a human being (laughs) without Hermione. But think about, like, like when Conan Doyle killed Sherlock Holmes in his book, they burnt his house down. Like he had to write a second book where he was like, "Oh, I meant Sherlock Holmes is totally not dead. He he's alive." <laughs> so yeah, I hate you- that. I hate that because you know this is like writing is, I mean, like this is our art form, right? As authors, like we this is I writing is an art form, and we put so much time and energy and imagination into what we create, and if that imagination and creation results in the death of a beloved character. That's what it was meant to be, whether we like it or not. I mean, it's it's part of life too, as much as it sucks. And but it's just there's just a rawness and a realness to it that it just I that rip my heart out, and make me cry, and I will love you for life as an author. I, I'm serious, and I I just it's just I'm trying to think of there was a book series I was reading recently, and like it literally had me. I was bawling because of how it ended, but, and as upsetting as it was, it was just like one of those, like, it was so satisfying because the emotion was so real and raw. Does that make sense? And I just. No, it it does. But I think it's interesting as an author, you say that because there are a lot of series out there that we can start listing them that the lead characters of the series itself should have ended. Like yeah. it really should have, like it's gotten to a point of just ridiculousness where I I'm totally down for a handful of books, but you get past a certain point, 27 books. I'm talking about Laurel K. Yeah. Hamilton out here. She's never going to be on this podcast. The way I keep talking about her, just <laughs> FYI. I love you, Laurel K. I buy all your books just for the record. Cause I'm, I'm like pot committed. I'm also play poker. I'm pot committed. Are wonderful. But <laughs> the fact of the matter is this character is, and ridiculous. The lead character is not the reason I buy those books. And mm-hmm. I think there's a certain point, but you have the fans that, you know, want to see the book continue. But 
to the, you know, the author we're speaking to, George R.R. R. Martin, again, I threatened to junk punch him on this podcast, so I don't think he'll ever come on, but um, <laughs> his books, like, that's one of the things I actually enjoyed about the book series when I read it before the the TV show was I love that he killed the characters. In the TV show, I love that he killed Sean Bean in the first episode. Oh. Like, yeah. I was like, yes, set the stage. I didn't love them. Of course, See, I, I okay. on that too. Like I, like I, I was a huge. I loved, 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 loved the first book, Game of Thrones, in that series. Loved it. The rest of them, I, I struggle with some. But I agree with you in that the death of the characters, like that whole, like the Red Wedding, is a perfect example of like it was gut wrenching, gut gut wrenching, awful, and I loved it. I, I, I just, I loved it. And I, like, I hated that, you know, when Ned Stark died, it was so, like, I cried like a baby, especially with Arya watching, watching it happen the way that she did. But I loved it. And that's the kind of plot development and plot twists that keep me coming back for more as a, both a reader, as, definitely as a reader. And that's what I, I try to carry over into my science fiction and fantasy writing as well. I think that's brilliant. I write that way too. I, I, my tagline is not every story has a happy ending. I feel like a lot, I write horror. It's one of the genres I write. And I feel like people get pretty messed up if the right situation happens. And when it has a bow on it, I think it's garbage. Like I'm like, there's no way this person watched you kill all of her friends. And she's like, Hey, let's go get a milkshake. You know, <laughs> I'm fine with damaged characters, but I still want I want a happy ending. That's what I read. <laughs> okay, yeah. the happy ending with certain genres, but with science fiction and fantasy, it's like there there's there are no rules. <laughs> yeah. And and with that said, we're gonna take a quick break here on drinking with authors, and we'll be right back with you guys. Hey, thank you for listening to Drinking With Authors. We wanted to let you know that if you're an aspiring author out there and you'd like to be on our podcast, you can email us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com. Or if you guys have a question, comment, want to tell us some little tidbit of interesting news, you can always direct message us or comment on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. We love that you're listening. We love that you're out there. And we look forward to hearing from you. My favorite characters, which is Jen's favorite thing. So, um, <laughs> I I love that you write like that because I think that um, you know there is the art thing, there is the character thing. Um, have you had a? So let's talk about fans for a moment. How do you feel about your fans? Um, I'd say for the most part, like the fans that I've that I've accumulated have been great and very receptive to. My writing style, um, I've had some, you know, like, oh, I can't believe you killed that character, but we can't wait for more. Um, I've only had one person actually swear me off as an author, saying I'm never reading another thing you've ever written because that was just too depressing. And I got it. I was was like, it Jen is my question. <laughs> it might have been. <laughs> my comment to that is like, did you not read the book description before you picked it up? <laughs> I mean, well, you, you, know, you say very very clearly on your website, you're like, kill people, kill them all. I, kill people. I, I like to kill it. people. I can't kill them in real life because it's against the law, and I don't think my children would like to go without a mother. But in fiction, I can do whatever I want. 
It's true, or just leave your cell phone behind. I feel like that's the number one thing people do wrong. Leave your cell phone somewhere else. Do not take it with you. Okay, so let's, um, so you talked about being a plotter, like an epic plotter and everything like that. It's interesting because a lot of authors say their characters speak to them. Do your characters ever actually speak to you at any point? Yes, they do. Um, and it definitely is one of those, like I said, it comes through the writing process. And so when I was writing the second, for example, the second book in um, the series I have out, uh, Aftermath of Defiance, I was really struggling with how I was going to end that at one point and early on. And I, I'll never forget, I was, um, I was actually at the gym on the treadmill just trying to tease through what I was going to have this character do. And it just... As cheesy as this sounds, it came to me through an Adele song. Um, what, what's the name of the song? Uh, can't think of the name. Fire in the Rain. What's the name of the song? Fire in the Rain. That's the one of my favorites. Name of it, because the character, the lead character, has her magical ability is elemental magic, so she has control over um, fire and and water and earth and. And it was just one of those things where it was just like, you know, that character started speaking to me through that song. And then I just knew exactly what I had to do to end that book. Um, and I had a couple fans just be like, oh, my God, I hate you. I hate you for what you did to that. But I love it. And I can't wait for more because of what I actually did to that character through that discussion that I had with her while I was on the treadmill at the gym. <laughs> Actually, I saw on your website you have something called creative journals. Is that part of your plotting t process? Uh, Tell us about it. So that it, it is. I am a huge journaler, and um, I journal almost every single day. Plus, I am, I don't know, dare I say, an obsessive journal collector. <laughs> what What does that even mean? What is an obsessive I, journal I collector? I am not allowed to bring home more journals from the store or my husband will punch me. That was the arrangement we came to. Oh, this is pretty, especially if it's like I um, I love custom-made journals. And so there's like a few companies out there that make handmade journals and they're not cheap. And so like when I finish a novel, like when I actually like, okay, I'm ready, this is finished. I've gone through, the first draft is done. My reward to myself is a very expensive handmade journal. Yes. Okay, so I suffer from this too, and I have a rule. It's very I call it the coffee mug rule because it's similar <laughs> to the coffee mug rule. A journal has to be finished before a new journal can come in. If I get a new coffee mug, one has to vacate the premises. Because my cabinet can't fit any more coffee mugs. So my boyfriend is like, I appreciate you and I know you love your coffee mugs. You use the same one every day. You have to trade them. <laughs> No, no. Some of these journals that I have, I don't know that I will ever be able to take a pen to them. I will literally pick them up and sniff them like they are a prized possession. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. I'm with you. I completely understand. Yes. <laughs> you kill characters, but Jen has found common ground with you. I have an entire <laughs> shelf of empty journals where I'm like, no, this one's too pretty. No. I do, too. Oh, it's like you special have a special like purpose hand sewn with custom handmade paper some of them that i have it's like oh how can you possibly deface this with a pen mm -hmm. they're too gorgeous because it's I a journal write... and you're supposed to write in it but can i use like a real big pen i feel i need to harry potter this with like a quill or something yeah well you know i am the nerd that does that like i have some handmade glass made dipped like dipping pens for 
like old fashioned writing. Like I will like certain journals I'm only allowed to writing them with these special handmade pens because the journal deserves that quality of and dedication to the writing. You guys are dorks. <laughs> I totally understand. I agree with all my heart. <laughs> Oh my God. I love every second of this. There's, there are authors listening to this going, Oh my God, I do the same thing. We are, we are not alone. No, we are not. We are not. No, there are, I, I, I think that's the thing for me. Like, you know, everybody looks at social media in different ways, but for me, like social media for me is a validation that I am not alone in all these little quirky, nerdy things that I get into. Cause there's, there are millions of people out there who do the exact same thing. Yes. No, I, I think millions is being a little generous, my friend. Who <laughs> <laughs> keeps all those fancy journal makers in and it's us. <laughs> okay, so I cannot even believe I'm saying, I can't believe I'm on the outside of this journal thing, considering I literally was just cleaning off my bookshelf and I found 27 journals that hadn't been written in. And when my boyfriend looked at them, he's like, you don't get another journal. You need, you need to journals. finish. You need a few more journals. <laughs> uh, oh, my goodness. And I saved the written in ones. And it's very funny because sometimes they're just to-do lists or grocery shopping things. And then I'm like, why am I saving this? Because I like the cover. Paper. You do that in scrap paper. A journal is for your deep thoughts and inspiration and creativity. Oh, see, I, it's all in one book. I have a journal and my to-do list in, cause I can't be responsible for more than one book at a time to carry <laughs> one through, which is part of my problem. If it's a super fancy one, I'm like, can I just put my to-do list? I'll put it on a piece of paper. No, just use the book that you're going to have with you. No, I, I use about five or six different journals at a time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. 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 No, I, cause it, each one, each one has a purpose. Cause you know, it's like where, what I'm writing, like the, depending on what I'm writing, that big fantasy has its own journal, some other, like each storyline, each place that I'm creating, each mindset, private thoughts, they each have their own journal that's separate from, because I, I can't, they can't cross boundaries. It'll get too confusing for me. And that's why you're a plotter. I see. Why I'm a plotter. Yeah. She, she even trumped you, Jen. I just want to point that out in the journal arena. You have been trumped. I was trumped at the beginning of this conversation, but you are now officially trumped in this. Absolutely. She's leveled up. She's like a level 20 journal person where yeah. I'm like level For five. Sure. I thought, yeah. I'm a, I'll, I'll take a, I'll take a 10, maybe level nine, nine and three quarters. Yes. But uh, did you just make a Harry Potter reference in journaling? What the hell is wrong with you? <laughs> Okay, I want to talk about something. None of the fans can see this because it's an audio recording, but we can see this because we're on Skype and it's video. You have comic book boxes behind you. Mm -hmm. I do. Actually, well, my husband does. <laughs> oh, those are not yours. Okay. Those are not mine. I, 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 would, I would say that I am a fan of what's in those boxes, but I am not the collector of what's in those boxes. <laughs> I see. I'm married into that collection. <laughs> How often does your husband or you actually open them and pull the books out? I finally caved and got rid of my comics um, because okay. I was doing that. And then I would just buy, I'm like, I don't want to go find Hellblazer. Like I'll just buy the collected one and read that. Yeah. No, my husband has been collecting those since he was a kid. Mm -hmm. He's had some of those that are in those boxes since he was a kid. And he has multiple copies of the same comic books. Um, the ongoing joke is 
that, you know, we'll never sell those. He was like, oh, that's my boat fund back there because he wants he loves to do offshore fishing. And I'm like, they're not a boat fund. They're not a fund for anything. They're just a collection that we're going to keep till the day we die. <laughs> I, I mean, like the 17th time and I had a yeah. serious conversation with myself. I was like, all right, because I used to work in a comic book store. Like, I, I okay. yeah, I yeah. that pile, I yeah, we had that. And uh, I was like, look, I'm not, I, I went through, I cherry picked, I have two shelves that I allowed myself to keep of individual. And I was like, I'm just, I'm going to buy graphic novels and, and yeah, let it go. But it was so sad. It's going to be in my house where I live for the rest of my life. And I'm, I'm totally okay with that. I totally support that because he supports all the things that I do and the things he, I mean, he doesn't complain about my journal collection. <laughs> I was about to say, he can't say jack shit about your journal collection. You know, I know in the other corner of this room are only a fraction of the books that I own because I don't get rid of books that I buy either. And my preferred reading method is print books. Um, and uh, so, but no, I was like, yeah, he's, I mean, they only come out when, say, Mar- Marvel creates a new movie. And he's like, oh, I have that. Oh, I have that that comic. He pulls it out, looks at it, looks at the quality of it and figures out how much it's worth and then puts it back. <laughs> wow. Okay. Since we've totally deviated, I love drinking. Okay. Let's, let's talk about books for a moment. So you like print books. You like to touch, so does J.M. She likes to touch the books. I'm a Kindle fan. I happen to love being able to lay in my bed and not have to have a book in my hand. But you like the actual printed copies? I am a I am a print book fan. Like I will read books on on the Kindle. Um, I do, but I prefer the print books. I I I'm one of those. I actually prefer hardcover over paperback, and I. It's just, I don't know, there's something, oh, as, as a friend of mine, somebody's like, just, I'm a romantic about books. When it comes to books, I have a very romantic, you know, I, mindset about what a book is. Like, I get mad at people when they dog ear pages, because I'm like, that's disrespectful. Do not dog ear the pages of the book, because that was somebody's life work. I mean, because, let's face it, it doesn't, I mean, it could take us a couple years sometimes to complete a single novel, and so I just... I don't know. There's a romantic level of respect that I have for what it takes to create a book, and I and I love the smell of them. The older the book, the it just it's just I don't so, know. So would but, you write in a book, like take notes, margin, or is that desecrating the book? Okay, only nonfiction. Fiction? Oh, okay. Hell no. Hell no. Do not. If if I want to mark a page in a fiction book. I use those non-destructive uh, post-it tabs yeah. to mark a page because, no, I don't write in books. Okay, so are your books in hardcover? Because as indie authors, and I, we have our own little publication company, but we're not doing hardcover books. We do paperback books. So are any of your books in the hardcover? Yes, yes. All my books are available in ebook, paperback, and hardcover. Yes. Oh, Wow. Wow. I, yes. And I, I am an indie author, um, but yes, I have gone through the process to make them available in all of those um, print formats. And I have actually found that out of, I have sold and made more off of hardcover than I have ebooks or paperback. Really? Yes. That is something interesting for authors to know because it's not as easy to do the hardback. Because you have to find the right places that will produce those hardback books for you. Do you yes. think it's because you're science fiction? Like it's a certain. 
I don't know. You know, well, you know how they say, you know, they, they, you, you find, you, you create an audience that you can relate with, or you want to try to attract those people who are like-minded like yourself. You know what I mean? So when I think about, so how I attract people, or I, you know, I, 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 I account it to that, that I'm attracting people who are of similar interest and likes as myself. And I will, if it's if a hardcover is available in a book, that's what I usually buy because that's my preference. And so I don't know if that's part of it or I, cause I don't know that it's a genre specific thing because I, I haven't actually ever done that research. So like does genre dictate which, you know, what, what people prefer to read out of. But I also am a huge, I, I'm a bookstagram. I follow a lot of bookstagrammers and I, I'm a big Instagram fan and that's where I do most of my promotion of my work. So I don't know if that contributes to it some as well, because that's the market that I try to promote my work to on Instagram. And they do a lot more with hardcover than they do the other platforms as well. That is really interesting. Because Instagram, kind of like Twitter, is you don't have a lot of verbiage that goes with those types of communications. I think that it's interesting, even in general, that our communication has to be much more succinct Look at that. Another 25 cent word for the day. 75. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me. I almost have a dollar. I can buy an ice cream. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, that people are so looking for succinct communication that it's interesting that you're saying that dynamic for people who will buy hardcovers because I know I'm talking to people right now between, you know, the lovely podcast guests and J.M. Paquette that are hardcover fans where I am like, I buy the most of the hardcovers I buy are because to be honest, Barnes and Noble has them on sale and I go through their sale rack and I buy their sale items because, you know, they're $5 a book and I, you know, that sort of thing. And I think it's interesting that you say that an Instagram that is like a very short, succinct, um, dialogue that you can have with Instagram people are people that buy a more robust written version of something. Yes. Uh, yes, for sure. And, and I know but, that most of the images that I take of my book, I usually, I use the hardcover version of my book as the model and the pictures that I take or in, you know, in the, in the promotions that I do and the mock-ups that I use for, for advertising. So I don't know if that contributes to it as well. Cause you know, I promote what I love the most, which is the hardcover. So, and. and I think a lot of book readers actually, I mean, I would say outside of the romance genre, because romance readers read so much stuff that it behooves them to have a Kindle or a Nook or yeah. whatever the right thing is. I'm saying that just in case Barnes & Noble wants to sponsor us as well. Um, but, <laughs> but I think that, you know, because... Uh, I know I read uh, romance too, is that that is easier to read because you read so much of it yes. versus you get into a sci-fi or fantasy book. You almost have to be a little bit more committed to the to what you're reading because it's not as easily uh, – what is the word I want to use because I write this too? Transportable? <laughs> no, it's not transportable. I, I think that you know you brought that up one other time. Um, Jen, is that I think that there's escapism in a lot of romance, paranormal ram romance, and you want it to be less, um, 
I don't want to say thick because that's the wrong word to use when you're talking about romance. But, um, you it comes down to, uh, you know, like I read in the tub and I have ruined so many hardcover books because I drop things. Um, so what the I, hell are you doing in the tub with your hardcover books? Because Never mind. I, I drop things, you know, you know how many books I've ruined by like, cause I, you read, I, I sit in the bath and I'll read and to read on my phone makes me nervous cause I don't want to die. Um, so paperbacks seem to be, I also have a space situation where I, you know, I have a library, but you know, it's full. So that's because it's an entire room and you will not stop. I've seen this, library. but no, what I mean is that, you know, some of these books are not as in depth, like it doesn't go as detailed. It doesn't go as you really have to be committed very detailed to the read. I don't know how to say yeah, that. I, I see what you're saying. They're, they're just fluffy reads. Yeah. 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 You don't need a, a permanent copy. You're not going to read it again. Yeah. And with fantasy and science fiction, like, especially with like, like there's some really intense, like, like they're in completely different worlds that aren't, have nothing to do with our current reality. Right. And yeah. so I don't know. I mean, I can't even begin to tell you how many times as I'm reading a, a high fantasy that I flip back to the map. To like, okay, where are we at now in that location? So there's that constant flipping back, sometimes even to, you know, the list of characters in the back it's that they put back in the glossary or, but really it's that, I think of it as that map. And I cannot imagine trying to do that on a tablet. It would drive me nuts yeah. to have to do that on a tablet. But yeah, like most of what I read on my Kindle is more what I'd call the, the quick read romances or the quick read short stories, things like that. But when it comes to like the science fiction and fantasy it's that ability to sometimes just be able to flip back to different points of reference at a lot easier, a more convenient way than what you, I, to me, what I can do on a tablet. I think to your point that, yeah, I think that you go hardcover with something like that, where I don't think I've ever read a romance or paranormal romance where I'm like, wait a minute, how did that happen? Let me scroll back. <laughs> that's ever happened in my entire existence where I was like, you know what? Let me do some fact checking about what's happening right now. Cause I don't understand. <laughs> Wait, yeah. did Sasquatch actually do, let me pull back. Let me pull back. A chapter or two. So I don't think that's the case. Okay. So when you're talking about your fans, do you do a lot of public engagement things? Do you do a lot of events? Do you go, because your hair is kind of phenomenal. You should just buy that <laughs> thing alone, go out in public. Her hair is purple, everyone. You can't it's see it. wonderful. But it's fucking amazing. So do you share this with the world? Tell us about your experiences yeah. out there. So sadly, 2020 was my year for author events. So, <laughs> <laughs> and I've had three events canceled on me already. Um, and mainly like I, I go to a lot of author events as an attendee or a reader. Um, at least I have in the last two years. Um, and so 2020, I was finally to the point where okay, I'm going to have multiple books out, ready to actually be like a featured author, sponsor tables, things like that, and start interacting more with reader fans and Sadly, those events have been canceled because of our lovely, lovely coronavirus spread. <laughs> are you are you reading your book at all online? A lot of authors have taken to reading chapters of their book online for fans because we're all stuck in the house right now. 
Yeah. So I have, I actually have a, an event coming up in a couple weeks. Um, I think April 12th. Um, I'm really active in the writer's atelier, um, writing community in Orlando, and I will be doing an online reading of my first book, Fortitude Rising, and in a couple weeks within that group on Facebook through a Facebook live event. I think that's, that's absolutely amazing because yeah. I think now more than ever, we have to do our best as artists to entertain the people mm -hmm. that are kind of stuck in a situation that they're not used to being in. And I, I, I do thoroughly understand that, um, you know, this, the working on a publication company and stuff like this is the time to do that. And I'm like, okay, let's all sit in our house and social distance. That would be amazing. <laughs> when the best way to like grow your fan base is to get out and interact with them. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. Cause now we've got to you know, find other ways to really connect to that readership that, you know, helps keep us in business too, as writers. Right. Exactly. So Have you had that fangirl moment though? I want to hear about your fangirl moment before we have to wrap up this this part of the podcast. Um, and I call it the fangirl moment where somebody's like, oh, my God, and goes completely nuts when they meet you. Have you had that moment? Only with my sister. That might count. <laughs> that might count. <laughs> I, 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 I always tell her, like, my sister is my biggest fan, and she's never, written, she's never read a word I've written because she hates reading <laughs> It's, I'll tell you, it was funny. She um, everybody she meets and says, oh my God, my sister wrote a book. You have to read this. <laughs> hey, you know, if, if she gets the word out there, um, my book, which is an erotica novel, my daughter, who's now 21, but she was 16 at the time, read that book. And now she tells all of her friends about it. And I can't decide whether I think it's really cool or it's really awkward. I'd like teeter on the side of, is it cool or awkward that my daughter talks about my erotica <laughs> novels to her friends? Ah, so is the world we live in. Anyway, how do people find you, my friend? Um, most of my books, I mean, they're on... You can buy them directly from my website, but really, I think which is one, which is a m b o c h n a k dot com, um, or you can find them all on Amazon or Barnes and Nobles. Um, my books are on all major platforms, um, so I, I really whatever your reading preference is, if it's you know iTunes or iBooks, I guess it is. Sorry, I'm not an Apple person, so don't hate me. Um, we love Apple, though, <laughs> again, in case they want to be a sponsor. <laughs> I go all, all Android here. Um, Android forever. Android for life. Um, JM, yeah. I'm not going to have you co-host. You keep this up, alienating our fans. <laughs> <laughs> but I fully support and, and love all my reader fans who, who prefer to read off of iBooks. You know, go you guys. And my books are there for you if you need them. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the podcast with us. We really appreciate it. Um, and um, it's phenomenal. I love the kind of writing you do because I am a huge fan of it not having a happy ending, regardless of what my co-host says. I'm the main host, so I can say that out loud. I don't care what she thinks. Um, but just kidding. I do. God, I'm going to get hate mail. Anyway, it was wonderful. <laughs> on this podcast <laughs> and this has been Drinking With Authors I'm your host Erica Lance J.M. Paquette Sidekick and we'll see you next time <laughs> bye bye